Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, I don't know if we've got some new listeners, I don't know if we've just got the long-tenured listeners, or maybe we've got some alien listeners, I don't know. Yes, I'm stalling for time because my brain has switched off, but whatever the listeners are from, wherever they are, whoever they are, you can still call us the front of the plane, because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Please do feel free to talk yourself horse about a talking horse to us on those socials. Also, if you'd like to continue doing that with either of your hosts, you can do exactly that by following myself on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflis. At Michael Hamflit, um, we would love you to listen to this podcast wherever it is you like listen to podcasts. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, where it'd be great if you could subscribe. Um, on Spotify, where it'd be awesome if you could follow. On Amazon, when you're not receiving birthday presents, where it's wrapped, but there's already a leaflet inside explaining to you what the gift is before you've even opened it. Don't know why they do that. They've got a music service. Find your podcast on there. It's my birthday next week. Don't bother buying me a present because I'll see what it is before I've opened the box. Um, you can also get us on Acast where you can stream or subscribe. Um, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, you can get Podcast Horseman. That Acast link will be fired out every week from the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Um, and it's on that Twitter feed that for season five only, you can get yourself a star on our Hollywood Talk of Fame. For those new listeners or those aliens that might have found us for the first time, what we do is we normally dish out a star for a five-star review um which you still can do we welcome those on amazon it gets us up the charts and it screws with all the algorithms it gets more people listening to us all that kind of good stuff but for this season all you need to do is a very simple quote tweet of that tweet on a friday from the art podcast horseman twitter account fire that one out and you stand a chance to get randomly selected for a star on our hollywood talk of fame season five special we'll have another one of those inductees coming at the end of this episode very good too very good too indeed and michael it's a new episode of Podcast Horseman, which means it's another episode, the next episode of Bojack Horseman. We are at season five, episode four. And I think, Michael, it's about time that you and I put the men in feminism. Shall we do that together? <laughs> I think we try. should. Please don't take me seriously. You'll all understand soon. Anyway, we go to the episode, which is called Bojack the Feminist. 
when Princess Carolyn casts a disgraced celebrity in Philbat, Bojack inadvertently takes a stand. Mr. Peanut Butter tries to toughen up his image. So the men in Hollywood are back on their bullshit, Michael. <laughs> Indeed. Um, disgraced. Let's start there, shall we? Because the episode certainly does. We get police sirens over the Netflix original series graphic that always flashes up at the start of every episode. Um, and we are cut to... Um, like the kind of police dash cam footage of somebody being arrested. It's an officer pulling over a man. The man is clearly drunk. Um, the man calls the police officer, quote, sweet cheeks, and tries to, quote, honk her boobies. She has absolutely none of that and arrests him on the spot. She does the kind of like police move that I can't quite describe, but where she gets behind the assailant and slams him up against the, uh, the windshield of the, the police, where obviously we've now got this full close-up view of the actor while he's being handcuffed. He screams... I quote, Christ, I'm quoting, I'm movie star Vance Wagoner, and I hate Jews. All completely unprovoked, end quote. Um, he, this cuts to a Ryan Seacrest type presenting uh, a version of his radio podcast show called Deep Dive. It's with Vance Wagoner in the studio. He refutes the comments uh, that he's anti-Semitic, despite the fact that he made the comment himself. Um, and he's brought along his Jewish friend, Mark Fallerstein, who it transpires has been offered a role in his next movie. And thus he cannot possibly hate Jewish people if he was to work with one. Um, cuts to Vance Wagoner next on a red carpet, promoting the very film that he's last spoken about. Um, with a Ryan Seacrest type. All's well um, until a paparazzi bird heckles him about the time he hit a prostitute with a baseball bat. Doesn't seem like the greatest guy, Vance Wagner. Cuts again to Tom Jumbo Grumbo, host of a show Gotcha on MSNBC. Um, Vance is there to apologise and professes respect for women despite hitting one with a baseball bat. But Tom plays a tape of him threatening to murder his 14-year-old daughter and saying, quote, I don't respect women, and I also hate Swedes. He then calls her, <laughs> again, to reiterate his 14-year-old daughter, calls her a, quote, disgusting slut, which then cuts again to Vance Wagner apologising to a press conference. He's alongside his wife, his much maligned daughter, and his friend, Stellan Skarsgård, to explain, of course, how could he hate Swedish people? Here's his friend, Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, it's at this point that he retires from public life. Obviously, scandal after scandal after scandal is enough. Cut to five years later with that infamous bell tolling. It's always with a death or with terrible news. But five years later, that bell tolls. And we find Flip McVicker in the office with Princess Carolyn looking for, quote, a bad boy to start in Filbert. And Princess Carolyn says, you know who would be perfect? And we hit the credits. Um... Oof, loaded, absolutely loaded. Uh, Vance Wagner, Adam at list, discuss. I can probably sum Vance Wagner up quite nicely with a callback to the last episode of podcast and Bojack Horseman, actually. Yolanda's mother said she'd starred in a bunch of uh, adult versions of John Hughes films. I think we can call this man's entire career, Michael. 16 Scandals, is that fair to say? <laughs> very good, very good. Look at that, we tie it all together, sharp as a dart. Yes, I think it's fair to say. He's a goddamn car crash, this man, isn't he? And <laughs> I have to say, this entire opening segment of the show, from start to finish, just before the opening credits, has been what an amazing summary of how many times we've seen this PR, like, fire extinguishing from from mm -hmm. mistake after mistake after mistake 
Hollywood was a dirty place, Michael. And we haven't mentioned the tar <laughs> of Hollywood in a while, but this feels like top brand tar of Hollywood stuff, this. So what was so great about this is that obviously Van Wagner, and this, they don't always do this in Bojack Horseman, but Vance Wagner is an invention of uh, Bojack Horseman, the television show. He's a fictional character, but they give you examples of things that Vance Wagner has done that you can, if you wish, tie to what we know celebrities to have apologised for in the past. I'm not going to get us in any bother, libel-wise or defamation-wise or anything like that. So let's just say some of the alleged remarks allegedly made by a Mel Gibson or allegedly made by an Alec Baldwin over the years popped into my head, allegedly, during a couple of these scenes. And there will be countless others. But I like that they invented a character to be able to... What I thought was so brilliant about this and so inspired was that like the scandals were so outlandish as to be funny. Like, mm. yeah, it's calling his 14 year old daughter a slut and then saying, I hate Swedes. There's the thing you recognize, <laughs> followed by the, the, the absurdity of that, like the end of his rant, that like almost uh, allows you a bit of a guilty laugh at the whole thing when you know that the reality of the first bit is like acidic yeah. and caustic yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's so great they went with an invented character because that skews everybody rather than just targeting one person. If you target Amel Gibson, or an Alec Baldwin, or, I mean, pick your poison, Christ. If you target one of them, it makes it look like an isolated issue rather than an endemic problem. I think that's the whole point, isn't it? Like, this uh, Vance Wagner is literally, what, 20 to 50-plus men who've been in yeah. Hollywood over the years, like, and more, I'm sure. Like, the whole, the whole point is everybody who watches this episode will have in their head their own version of who Vance Wagner is. It's quite nice as a, a kind of, it's an inadvertent callback to the um, marketing campaign for, um, I believe it was Phil, but wasn't it? But the you are uh, sorry, Secretary, wasn't it? You are Secretariat. Um, and it's just Bojack's face, or it's indeed somebody else's face. You're also Vance Wagner, <laughs> men of Hollywood. That's kind of like, there he is, as a mirror back onto the people that have like, done some of the similar things he's done and indeed in terms of the opportunities they continue to get as we'll learn here and gotten away with i think that's the important thing yeah yeah it's it's always the way with the episode starts proper with princess carolyn meeting vance in elefante he's he's getting a lifetime achievement award at the we forgive you awards which is tremendous there's another gag on par with that later in the episode and uh, he wants work more than he wants credit for his ability to apologise, which is perfect because Princess Carolyn convinces him that Filbert is the ideal job for him. She sells him on the idea that it's not just the role in Filbert, it's the idea that he'll be coming demand again just through getting work. And he seems very on board with that idea. Um, meanwhile, over at Girl Cruise, and we would normally maybe split these into uh, A's and B's and C's, but there's a lot of overlap in here for Diane's particular storyline. So we're going to talk about Diane a little bit here now. Um, Stefani over at Girl Cruise. Um, lets Diane know about the award that Vance is set to get and wants her to go and write about it um, for the content. She wants Diane to get not just at the awards to um, write about the experience, but to try and somehow take Vance down. She thinks it's great for the Girl Cruise brand. Um, and then Hobnob brackets general with the Hollywood elite <laughs> and just see what she can get from go, go and hob that knob, she says. Um, Diane is wary of the abuse she'll definitely get from the comments section. She doesn't like being called, quote, a slunt. Um, and she argues that it won't stop Vance's progression anyway. Stefani kind of 
implies that that doesn't really matter. The idea is that people will share the title of the link rather than read the content of the article. Um, and she says, in order to get a bit of context to this, why not speak to Bojack um, about the Filbert deal, which when Diane hears that Bojack is maybe in league with um, Vance, is so shocked that she falls off a chair that has been carefully placed on the treadmill that is in front of her monitor as part of this week's Girl Cruise gimmick. Um, so yeah, she's just found out through Stefani that Bojack and Vance now have a link. Um, we go to the red carpet pre-show fashion extravaganza at the awards. Um, it finds Mr. Peanutbutter playing host and interviewing Princess Carolyn, um, who is of course there to represent Vance Wagner, but uses the interview time to find out why he's not getting cast in the role that Vance has been given, why he's not the Hollywood bad boy. Um, she uh, he, he wants to know why he's not getting forgivies. And it's just because he's simply not that guy. Um, he resolves to fix that, but more on that later. We'll get to that as our as our kind of setup as a B-pop. But anyway, Princess Carolyn is there at the awards. And uh, at the awards, which is being presented by um, multi-time Forgive You winner Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, Diane is at a table with Bojack and Princess Carolyn, grilling them about him getting hired for the role. Uh, Princess Carolyn tries to pie the situation off as just part of the Hollywood machine. Uh, Diane calls her out a little bit here by not taking a bit of responsibility as a woman for for the problems of the Hollywood machine. Um, and Bojack just isn't paying attention to any of it. He's just there be, to represent Phil, but more than he is to represent himself or indeed yeah. Princess Carolyn or Diane. Um, he's more interested in a cheese plate. Um, and as he takes a grand inhalation of the cheese plate, he grimaces at something that is particularly stinky. And a camera takes his picture looking very cross. It just so happens, Nicholas, to be the moment that Vance is being announced as the winner of that year's the Lifetime Achievement Awards. We find out this sort of little um, moment of happenstance through another cut to Tom Jumbo Grumbo, reporting on how his face was actually not about the cheese, but in anger to Vance being awarded at all. A series of on-the-street vox pops supports Bojack, uh, noting some of the other awful, heinous things Vance has done this. This Fox Pop thing is great because it's a it's a two-hander here. On one hand, it's just people putting words in Bojack's mouth as a feminist and as an ally. And on the other hand, just being able to flex the joke writer's muscles at some of the awful things that Vance Wagner has done in his past. From there, we cut again to Vance screaming at Princess Carolyn to fix this now. Bojack, meanwhile, is on her sofa in his office, still not giving a toss, giving a toss about as much as he did about any of this at the awards and calls himself a hero for reluctantly agreeing to, quote, clean up everybody's mess when he agrees to go on a few daytime talk shows to try and talk around the look that he made in this award show. Um, quite a story developed here, quite a plot. We've got the idea of Diane being asked to go into the eye of the storm for content that she doesn't believe in. We've got Bojack being asked to fix a storm for content he doesn't believe in. And we've got Vance Wagner as this X factor, the storm himself, like the one that's just creating storm after storm as he moves through the town. In this particular case, it's Hollywood. Um, loaded, so loaded. And I just, I couldn't help but judge this in contrast to how empty last week's episode felt. Like I could not believe like the depths, like the depth of field and the amount they've set up here through this one character in Vance Wagner, the issues they were tackling in what we've already kind of talked about as being the first direct response season to the Me Too movement. This I all this episode felt huge 
before they finish setting up all the plots. They do an exceptional job of creating a brand new character who we've never met before. And they've made the whole world of Hollywood revolve around a man in Hollywood. Like they've done it. They've taken our characters who we love and who we've spent time with for five seasons now. And all of them have been sucked into the orbit of this man who mm. is an absolute piece of shit. And it'll yeah. break down the complicated nature behind why we don't just, or why certain people do get away with these things. And immediately, Bojack, his co-star, is in this pickle. He has to help him for the sake of his show and the co-star on his show. Princess Carolyn, has, as a client, has to now try and get this man out of the, the mess because that's, again, her bottom line. Diane, who doesn't even want to be there, has been sent there because mm. of work because her boss wants her to get in on the hot topic of Hollywood right now, which just so happens to be this man in Hollywood who's, whose bad behaviour has filled the pages for so long now that his return is too juicy for them to turn down. It's just enabling after enabling after enabling, mm. isn't it? Along the way, people begin putting out these fires for this, quite frankly, a monster of a man, Michael. Yes, yes. And, and they've, made, they've made the microcosm for us to be part of, which is literally what's been going on in Hollywood, real-life Hollywood, for years. It's such an astute observation that about like how we kind of we get to feel what it's like for the characters as viewers because we know them now and we have relationships with them. And he's just bowled into their lives like he's bowled into ours over the course of what three and a half minutes of television, yeah. and already we're having to make concessions like on behalf of our favorite characters for this complete arsehole. Um, and already as well, like I just we we've said this before, um, most recently on the subject of asexuality, but previously on any kind of LGBTQ plus issues or any gender biases in Hollywood. Basically, the things that two white idiot males like us aren't necessarily qualified to comment on. Bojack is trying to give us the language. Um, Diane being tasked with a job by her female boss, Stefani, who acknowledges the holes in her industry, even though Diane straight away says, "This we're, we're not going to fix this doing this. Mm. She brushes past that. She then takes that to Princess Carolyn and kind of questions her as a feminist yeah. and Princess Carolyn has no choice, I guess, to, to push that back on Diane and just say, you know, this is how the industry works. You've been in the industry long enough. It's like, there's not a lot of nuance to it where Diane is trying desperately to find some. Um, I think it's doing a tremendous job in a, in a way as well. It's very hard to articulate. Diane isn't given much room or time to speak. And I think even that's a choice. I think even that is an admit, like, if we're trying to learn the language of, like, the, the various languages of feminism, like, here's me trying to choose my words because I'm just not qualified to speak them. The various languages of feminism, the various ways in which feminism can mutate and be taken differently, and women can be really unfairly held accountable for being the wrong type of feminist or something like that. We've had three versions of it over three minutes. And again, it's fundamentally just whipped up in the storm of Vance Wagner. It's not women being able to take any agency for anything. It's all of them, like, trying to be a version of their best selves in the eye of this storm. To try and help him out. I said, uh, that's the whole, the crux kind of, of it. And, yeah. Yeah, I like, and I think they do a great job of deliberately, Diane, will have visits with 
multiple females throughout the course of this episode. And mm. it shows you how, again, the complicated layers of context to it, that it's not as simple as we're all just going to say no to this. Like, oh, we're all going to... There are too many layers and too many bigger forces at work here that prevent it from the very simple and very obvious option of why don't we all just say no to this guy? Like, mm. which, when you write it down on paper, seems like the, the most obvious way to combat this. <laughs> but then, as we are shown through the characters, we give a toss about, it's not that simple. No. Um, and it's funny, simple is the word, because what we're going to lead on to is Bojack in particular and other male characters trying to simplify the idea of feminism while various different, like, actual women, real feminists, grapple with its complexities. Um, he's on a daytime TV show called The Squawk, um, presented, of course, by a series of birds. Um, and the, well, they're like the four female bird people all speak over his attempt to try and explain the truth. He, he does go in there with the intent of telling the truth. I was actually just smelling a cheese plate. But they seem, again, different kind of feminists yet again, seem to really want to supplant a feminist ideology on Bojack. They want him as a prominent male star of Hollywood mm. to share and espouse the views that they want to put across to their audience. They kind of not let him get his words out. Um, and in doing so, he just kind of enjoys the polite applause he gets for words that he hasn't even said. And he lets them go along with it. And it goes on and such like that. Every single time he tries to speak, they just like fill a line of dialogue about a very, very different feminist platform that he then kind of welcomes upon himself. And uh, it gets onto Vance directly. And one of the hosts notes how at one point Vance Wagner choked his wife. And Bojack, for the first time, gets to interject and is saying, well, I'm obviously saying it's not good to choke your wife. And it's as simple as that. He blows that line off and it gets a standing ovation. And he immediately, like a drug, like is transfixed and addicted to the standing ovation. He's that star. His eyes widen. You almost can't believe that he's been put on a pedestal for saying something that he believes to be obvious. You cannot choke your wife. Um, but he leans into it as a result um, to the point where don't choke women suddenly becomes a catchphrase whipped up by the horse that they, the crowd going for. Um, the horse, again, get back to the more like complex statements and the crowd literally chant along with the more complex statements <laughs> um, because they're, they're at this point that engaged with Bojack as a feminist um, or as a pillar of feminism even though he kind of doesn't know what he's been railroaded into. Um, he kind of reluctantly enjoys the plaudits, but they deign him a, quote, proud feminist, and as all good horses should be, we're off to the races. Cameras stop for a second as they get to reset, and Bojack's going to be, like, in a cooking segment in the next segment of the show. Princess Carolyn storms onto the set and bollocks him for missing the point entirely, um, but he's too buzzing to be a, quote, feminist hero at this point. Princess Carolyn calls Vance Wagner, um, expecting to have to like kind of smooth things over but he's in a bar and he's quitting the show anyway she was right he's had better offers already since word has broke that he's going to be casting Philbert so he doesn't need it um, he's not scared of what time is it right now dot com's political powers uh, when Princess Carolyn oh my god threatens him with a contract he reminds her that he quote sexted a 12 year old and still got a humanitas prize <laughs> So contracts mean nothing to this man. Nothing means anything to this awful, awful man. Um, she goes back to Bojack, fired up by this phone call, and orders him to take him down. Um, 
cut again to Princess Carolyn's office where Diane is now kind of, I guess, part of the war room with Princess Carolyn and Bojack as how to take Van Swagener down. Um, Diane can't help but note Princess Carolyn's hypocrisy and now that Van Swagener isn't on the books for Philbert, it's okay to go for him. Um, Princess Carolyn makes separate arguments like separate arguments as to why backing him and burying him are both feminist choices in context. Again, the issue is kind of intentionally warped, I guess, for the needs of everybody involved. Um, Diane's still sceptical that anything will work, just as she has been the whole time. Um, but a pullback and reveal shows Bojack on the sofa in the exact same laid-backy position he was before, completely unaffected by all of it. Um, Bojack wants to pair him to get the message out that Van Swagen has bad news. Um, Bojack... The man gets to parrot Diane's actual considered feminist arguments because Diane isn't the person to do this herself. They need to put Bojack in front of the cameras using the carefully taught side of feminism that Diane's going to give him like a crash course on. She's completely nonplussed about it, but fundamentally accepting. We'll stop here um, because the episode doesn't just doesn't give you a chance to stop. But the the kind of punchline of Bojack being the front face of feminism all of a sudden. I think takes us all the way back to Diane trying to bring down Hank Hippopolis yeah. because look how well it went for her once. Like her life was ruined for a day. There's that old gag about Twitter's a game and or Twitter's a movie and you don't want to be the main character. Yeah. Diane found that one day that that was her life, the one time she tried with a very reasoned approach, no less. And this is almost like Hollywood is learning. Let's put Bojack at the front and look yeah, they put clown makeup on man. Like he's just, he's a, he's the least. Like it's like Ronald McDonald fronting a vegan food campaign. Like, but he's the, he's the man they've got to hand, and he's the man with enough star power, and he's kind of gotten away with one on the squawk to get to be in this privileged position all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely, and he's like the, he's an accessible way for them to do it. And as I think, as you touched on there, while Diane might not be super stoked about it, she does also suddenly realise that actually. I can say all the things I want to say, in theory, and I don't have to deal with all of the awful comments and all of the nasty interactions that come with, well, it comes with working on the internet in any form, whether it's writing or video editing, as some of us know about. Uh, but also on top of that, like, uh, I think she likes the idea that it could have more of an impact if people are going to listen to Bojack. And there's a great comparison here, isn't it? They need Bojack to save the day with Vance, and they also need Bojack to save the day with Diane to help take Vance down. All in all, feeding our friends like ego, which is the worst possible thing you can do for Bojack. And I also just wanted to point out as well, going back to him being on the squawk, and boy, oh boy, is there some context and some layers to the fact that the show is called The Squawk, and it's all just a bunch of like birds and hens and chickens mm -hmm. all just mm -hmm. on the show together having a squawk michael about these <laughs> hot topic debates because who wants to hear the squawk and but also the way they do this honestly the whole, this whole episode will break down multiple different versions and apologies if this isn't the correct terms like the surface level feminism i would say of like this is more about these women just want to hear things being said and the bar is so pathetically low at this point for men that Bojack just literally just having them hear Bojack say the words don't choke women is <laughs> like a revelation yeah. to them because of course it is but also there's a there's a 
what there's a message on this, isn't there, about how it's a does it also feels like it's a trend to some of them on this show. Like, does that make sense? Uh yeah. not to be we're gonna, get, we're gonna get to that in a literal sense very shortly. Like that's what it feels like, doesn't it? It feels like they all just want to be part of this. Hey, this guy's great. We'll all just and they do have their agenda. All the four hosts are, apart from the one who just literally squawks, <laughs> all try to put words into Bojack's mouth at some point or another. And and well, before we get to the conclusion that Diane and Princess Carolyn come to of using Bojack as the mouthpiece, they're almost doing that on the show, which is interesting to say the least. Because I would imagine there are as a more intense level of feminist who would find this whole thing to be like super super fraudulent, and that person's name is probably diane <laughs> <laughs> well like uh, the squawk is like as you pointed out like it's it's such a massive gag and choice as well because we know that it's referencing the view um in the uk it's least women in america it's the view um these shows are you know like they are watched predominantly by women they are made for women presented by women um but they're then they're there, the issue of the day shows. So even the implication here is that this is the issue today. And the expectation won't be on these women to talk about this tomorrow because there'll be something else in the news. It'll be like if this airs at 12 o'clock, it'll be like what's hot at half eleven. And that'll be the that'll be the key talking points. And Bojack's on this show. This isn't a platform that is maybe going to reach the people it needs to reach, but it's almost like it's echo chamber for the day, followed by like repeat content the day after. It's it's virtually meaningless twenty four hours later, and yet Bojack has been platformed by it. He's been put on a pedestal by it, and he's going to have two women help him try and re- like try and retain that platform. As shaky as those foundations are, like they've now got to prop that up off the back mm. of that one appearance. I don't think we're going to do the messaging in this episode justice and mm. um, it's really one to go and recommend but diane um uses a whiteboard to try and explain normalization for good and bad of feminism it's really well animated as well because diane's doing lots of scribbles on the board but like all the scribbles suddenly come to life as part of the animation she uses um ellen's talk show for like an example of normalization for good um obviously this predates the rumors coming out about what a toxic workplace that was apparently fostered yes. on yeah. the show uh, nothing is safe and nothing is sacred, obviously. But um, nonetheless, the, the point is, um, Filbert was given a platform to Vance Wagner, regardless of how he was characterised or regardless of how he was being used, that was normalising his horrendous behaviour just by the virtue of giving him that spot. Um, Bojack looks on intently at this presentation and gets absolutely none of it. He almost admits to being bored by it because he's comfortable with Diane to say so. Um, he just wants to wear, and this like speaks to your point about trends. He thinks he can get by wearing slogan t-shirts because, in his mind, that's all women need. Um, and he just thinks that's going to be enough. Diane feels like she's failed, but has kind of had enough for the day, so she just slumps back off to her car. Like job not done, but her task completed. I think would be the way to sort of like sum up her day. She slumps on a wheel. Just tired. She's always tired. God damn it. It's not fair. Um, but is shocked by Anna Sponacuppe. She like doesn't know how she's got into a car. Uh, Anna explains that it's a Prius, so they're left open rather than locking by default. Um, 
And it turns out, of course, she is Nicholas. She's repping Vance Wagner now, just like she repped Bojack once upon a time. And she wants them to stop hassling him. She wants them to leave him alone. Anna posits that if Vance can't change, why have the fight? But much like Diane did with Princess Carolyn earlier on, Diane wants to hold Anna to higher standards to the women of Hollywood. Um, she wants her to at least admit, woman to woman, in the car between the two of them, that she hates, that she's like complicit in his terrible actions. Um, and Anna at least says, quote, hmm, you've given me a lot to think about and leaves. She doesn't confirm either way like, what decision she's going to make about Vance, but Diane can at least feel heard and at least feel like she's gotten through to her. Cut to Bojack, back on with Tom. Um, and talking feminism, wearing his misspelt slogan T-shirt, feminism is bay, B-A-Y. Um, yeah. it <laughs> but it stops. They're interrupted. It goes to a press conference where um, Vance Wagner, again, cut in one of his infamous speeches, flanked by Anna Sponacopita and his wife, is announcing that he too is a feminist now. Um, and that's why he's leaving the quote toxic show Filbert. He's gotten to it first. Um, God damn it. His speech, the cheeky, lousy bastard. His speech parrots everything that Diane said to Anna in the car about what's wrong yeah. with Filbert, about what's wrong with Hollywood. Um, leaving Bojack back in the studio with Tom completely feckless and with nothing of worth to say as a retort. He's completely left like with his wheels spinning. Um, we go back to Diane's, uh, back at her apartment, as Bojack bursts in. Um, Diane confirms to Bojack that Philbert is indeed sexist, making a hypocrite out of Bojack. Um, Bojack knows this, but he needs to obscure that all the same. He's quite sort of frank here about the content of uh, Philbert. Not for the first time in this series, he willfully undermines Flip as a writer still. They've had their power struggle in the pilot for the season, uh, the first episode of the season, but he still knows that what he's doing is crass and mostly crap and kind of just nods along as Diane highlights all the sexism at play in Phil. But um, she's just exasperated at this point with the whole thing and notes that she's too busy with her girl crew's content to continue going on, catering to every single one of Bojack's whims. Um, carry him through sort of like another shameless PR exercise that he wants to go and do, um, which in this case is another episode of Deep Dive with a Ryan Seacrest type. Bojack's in the studio this time. I love we've seen two deep dives in both times. It's interviewing the men rather than interviewing the women affected yeah. by the by the cases. Um, Bojack, just like obviously um, Vance did, steals a few of Diane's points before halfway through speaking, clicks on to what she's been saying all along, the dangers of normalising. The things that she tried to get through to him have actually gone through. He leaves, um, he sort of rushes out of the studio, leaving a Ryan Seacrest type with 48 minutes to fill, which allows for this amazing unfinished gag <laughs> about, with a tiny insight into Ryan Seacrest's life with about apparently something about sitting down with his father and his father telling him about his scars and how it would leave scars right like. That never gets completed, but I love that it doesn't because we get just just about five seconds of the inner workings of a Ryan Seacrest type when given a microphone and nothing to plug because it's back to Diane's where Bojack bursts in again and begs her to come on as a consultant producer for Phil, but he's figured it out. He's figured out the way to bring his two colliding worlds together. He wants to do what's right. He wants to fix what he knows is broken about Phil, but, and Diane says... Like, why Why would you want me, quote, nothing I do changes anything? And he replies, quote, you changed me. Um, huge moment, this. Absolutely huge moment. 
um, Bojack and Diane's relationship, like almost started to feel whole again. It was like, I don't know, it was quite, was quite astounding that from this dreadful situation they found themselves in with Vance and Diane's, like I feel so much sympathy for Diane's exasperation when her head hits that wheel just before Anna shocks her in the car. To go from that to Bojack saying something that empowers her for the first time in such a long time, just again, like I was mesmerized by the speed at which the story moved and yet brought us back to sort of some common ground with these characters. They just seemed so far apart. And then it was so sweet how they came back together for a second. So we find ourselves back on the Filbert set, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kind of like come back to this point. But after the Vance Wagoner catastrophe, um, Princess Carolyn and Flip are now in need of somebody with zero baggage, totally positive and almost annoyingly enthusiastic. At that point, Princess Carolyn gets a phone call, but we'll just wait to find out a little bit on who that phone call comes from. Because Flip leaves his office, um, having found the perfect new person for the show, and bumps into Diane, who's there with a box of things, obviously ready to start her first day. And he calls her, quote, the lady who's going to make my show less sexist. And then basically orders her to sit in his office in silence, chew quietly, he says. What a piece of shit. Flip is actually like I'm enjoying how much they're staring into that from like mm. almost teasing you with an element of 50 50 at the end of season four we know who this guy is now and he's he's a bad egg um he wants a name as the credibility booster for the show not because of the actual insights she can provide to it uh, awful again like just how the system works and how the machine works Bojack has brought her on for good but he's not the boss so it doesn't matter why she's arrived She's now at the behest of this dickhead narcissist. Anyway, it's back to her car for a very similar slump on the wheel at the end of a day where she doesn't really know if it's been successful or not. Uh, where this time Anna is there again, having had to break in her window because obviously Diana's learned to lock her Prius. Um, and it turns out that Vance has blown his opportunity. Uh, more hate crimes. Good gag about him being racist at the uh, Brownman's Egyptian theatre with anti-Chinese slurs. Um, but uh, she kind of, Anna, like, has admitted that she's dropped him, but almost mournfully confirms that this will be the end of his career for two or three years. Mm. So she, she's wise to it. She's wise to the cycle that he'll be back around again. But for now, she's got nothing to do with him. So she's got no skin in the Vance Wagner game anymore. Nobody does. It's as, as you say, he's just blown into our world. Everyone's had to orbit around him. He's decided to leave it. They haven't chased him out. He's decided to leave it. And he'll be back again in three years. Um, Anna notes to Diane that if um, the two of them give men like Vance cover, then they need to know what they're going to be capable of. And this is her sort of way of bringing in the smoking gun of this episode, as if we haven't had about 10 already. She has a tape on a little dictaphone and she plays it. And it's of Bojack's confession about Penny in New Mexico that he let slip to Heather from Manity Fair, obviously during the uh, the film junket for um, Secretariat. Um, if you remember at the time, Heather recorded it, and then we learned that Anna mysteriously, quote, took care of it and never found out what dark arts she performed in order to deal with the situation. But it turns out she's kept the recording. Um, Diane is hearing this for the first time, ashen-faced and shook by what she's hearing. Um, and then it fades to black, I should say, no, it cuts harshly to black. It doesn't fade at all. Cuts to black. 
And over the black screen, we hear the end of the Bojack recording where he says, quote, how do you make something right when you know you've made it so wrong you can never go back? And credits. Diane knows. And this was, I think, something they'd done so well to make you forget about that when they teased you in their reconciliation of Bojack looking out the window and going, I was in New Mexico, guitar plays, and then they go away again. I don't know about you, I thought that's all we're going to get. Bojack is having that moment to realise Diane doesn't need to know any more of this. This will destroy everything. If Diane finds out, she's my conscience. If Diane finds out, game over. And she has just found out. They've delivered us an episode four cliffhanger. And that is why you should never underestimate Bojack Horseman, the television show, Michael Hamlet, mm-hmm. because it's better than the shows you like. And even when you think you might know what they're trying to tell you, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know nothing. You know whatever the hell they want you to know. And this is quite the smoking gun, despite the fact they have teased that that, that isn't going away anywhere. That is still very much floating around. As you say, we got the little tease a few episodes earlier between Diane and Bojack. And now there's no tease. But what they've done excellently here is another... What I found watching this this episode does is raises... It doesn't give you any answers, but it raises a lot of important conversations and questions to be had and where the certain lines are and how you yourself can find yourself in a grey area which you might not be able to get out of regarding something that should be pretty black and white. Diana spent a whole episode like being the sort of morally correct compass that we know and love. She's had to restrain herself a little bit um, quite a few times truth be told from being uh, able to tell the truth and how she wants to speak about things but she does all the right stuff and she has these morals and she will not compromise them where possible I think it's fair to say mm-hmm. and then she is given okay well if that's how you feel then what do you do with this that's how we end this episode and of course your morals are about to be used as a as a stick to beat you with courtesy of your stupid piece of shit best friend who is a horse, Bojack <laughs> Horseman. It's, um, I think this is probably the place to cover it because we're going to do um, Mr. Peanut Butter's like, B-plot and it's it's frivolous and funny and all that sort of stuff. It's This is one of the best episodes of Bojack Horseman ever. And in, in my opinion, and I think like it's, it's so um, textured in how it tackles, as we've kind of tried to review, how like it tackles feminism in all forms rather than just in Hollywood. It uses Hollywood, of course, as its backdrop, as it always does, but it tackles it on a... Like, you can absolutely relate this to everyday life and as the males that we are can try and see things that maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise. This, You know, it serves as an education. And then there's almost something very television about Bojack and Diane reuniting only for this thing to happen that rips them apart. Like that, what I think is so effective about this is how much of a television show moment it is. You know, we've like this episode asks you the questions. It's like you say, it makes you confront stuff, and it like it's it's nearly impossible, I think, to watch an episode like this and not view it analytically. Like I, I because yeah. the story, the story is like the front cover of a book that is full of like reading that you need to do. 
that's what this episode is. And like, it's got loads of gateways and loads of pathways and like all the dialogue is so loaded and it's like, there isn't a word wasted. There's not scene wasted, anything like that. And then you're given this like impeccable callback because it's dramatic and it's a cliffhanger and it's this huge, potentially transformative moment in the most important friendship in the show, that of Diane and Bojack's. And yet it's directly related to the plot. Suddenly yeah. the recording is not of Vance Wagner saying something audacious about Swedish people or Jewish people or women or his own daughter. It's Bojack Horseman reliving probably the darkest moment of the show thus far in a way that relates directly, ties back in. It's like it's awards season submission worthy television on an issues episode. They like they make better issues episode than issues episodes because it's still a TV show. I, if I articulated that correctly, I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, well, they just don't forget that they also are. It's a show that they're doing mm. as well. It's not just this. Isn't just turn it on and you get this week's episode will be all about feminism and yeah. that's your lesson. This week's episode will be all about X and that's your lesson. No, like the whole point of this show is it's. It is, we say it for a reason. It's better than the show you like because it will mm. tie something back to. A, a core focus of the narrative that they have had going on. Let's just break down the fact that this is something that's this is a smoking gun we've like we've had for in terms of the actual incident happening in season two, season yeah. two, yeah. Is it now in season five, and we still mm. we've known that this is a backdrop issue that will be there forever, but you just don't know when it's going to go off, and it yeah. hasn't gone off. And it hasn't gone off, and it ha- or it might have gone off in fragments in different certain mm. ways. But the final, oh no, everybody knows now moment is, well, this is certainly, as you say, the smoke and going. We haven't yet seen the reaction of anybody, but we've seen Diane has now been given the information. And as we know, Diane is the kind of person who, if has been given the information, will have to process it through her complex and very correct moral compass and get an answer. But this is someone, it's our best friend. It's our best friend in the show that isn't a former uh, husband. It's not like the actual portrayed best friend who she doesn't even really ever let go. Yeah. <laughs> this is our actual best friend through all the thick and thin, through all the good and bad. It, what it also does, though, is, I mean, you and me could have been watching this, and anybody here, indeed, male or female, getting all self-righteous and thinking, yeah, I know all. I know what I know about this show, and like I've learned so much this show. And then Anna Spanakopra gets in a car and gives Diane a tape recorder that tells you you have been complicit in protecting and supporting and following along the narrative of this piece of shit horse, Michael, which is exactly what we've been condemning the entire of Hollywood for doing with Vance Wagner. And yeah. they've just reminded you. By the way, you know how you thought you had the moral high ground on all this. <laughs> here's, a tape, here's a tape player and you knew about this two, season, two three seasons ago and you've yeah. still stood by this horse no matter what decision he's made throughout the show you've stood by him you've let him off the hook time and time again you've done it repeatedly the same way this episode has done with Vance Wagner they have condensed all of the seasons into Vance they've made you look at Vance and go no way that guy's done that guy's done and our guy might have well I don't know if it's worse than... Is it worse than sex than a 12-year-old? I think it is. Like, because well, He says he would have gone through with it. He said he would have gone through with it. And you think about the context that's tied to it. It's, it's on par, at least, yeah. if not worse, 
and we have been reminded that that exists and you can't you can't just be like you can't just choose the part of this narrative you want to choose and get by with it and we've all stood by Bojack and went oh he's a funny guy you, you go to the next episode and he's maybe seen in a whole season of growth with Holly Hawk in the previous season yeah and yet what does it all mean and it just raises questions we don't have answers for is can we is he still is he still a bad person is he a good person something we've had this literal juggle with from the very beginning of the show between him and Diane specifically of course and now she's the one who's going to have to deal with it all Bojack Horseman man is better than the show you're like and we still haven't even finished Mr Peanut Butter's narrative yet. I know man I feel sorry for him it's no that you're so right in the like the complicity that was my thinking as well of him the line that they isolate about it's so like it's so bad that you can't go back and fix it that yeah. sort of thing we still try to mentally we've still tried to by just by through not through acting on it but the passage of time that's what we've we've given bojack the passage of time and we've said this before as well um it always happens when we're like raving over an episode how is a show full of animals better at like the human condition than yeah. most with people because that's what this is this is people people are brilliant people are awful people are triumphant people are flawed and the questions are uh, you said it there, like everybody's got rules and everybody's got definitions and that's deployed here through feminism, but it's deployed through a number of themes over Bojack's history. And like every question that is circling Diane's head before she's even gotten in that car is enough. It's enough, yeah. you know, because ultimately everybody is people, even the bird people, even the fox people, even the various other animals in the show, they're all people, they're all making choices. And now Diane's about to be confronted with Bojax, having just made one of her own. And she's their kindred. We've like for the first time in a long time, they're feeling kindred. And she's just been reminded that she's kindred with that. How kindred is she? And oh, it's yeah, it's mesmerizing stuff. It's powerhouse. powerhouse. You should have you should have known. Yeah, powerhouse. Feels like I haven't said powerhouse for a while, but you <laughs> should have known. You should have known they give you a little sliver of happiness and hope. And this is what you get in exchange. <laughs> Speaking of happiness and hope, let's just very briefly touch on Mr. Peanut Butter's um, single episode arc here. He, um, he's visiting Todd at the What Time Is It Right Now offices, obviously having spoke to Princess Carolyn about not really being the perfect guy for a, a tough guy role, being a bad boy, um, and he wants Todd to help him um, get the old team back together. Uh, so Todd suggests that he needs to be seen in public being angry and he needs the world to see him as this bad boy. He can't just be a reputation that he fosters over a long period of time when it can be done overnight filmed on a phone. So he goes up to an angry-looking rhino um, and tries to fight him over a cigarette. But the rhino thanks him for finally convincing him to quit. Tells a long story about how he lost a family member to lung cancer and how he promised his daughter that he would quit. And he <laughs> calls Peanut Butter, quote, a kind and approachable character on camera as part was far away from the uh, the reputation Peanut Butter needed. So it's on to the next um next plan the next scheme peanut butter gets out of a car in a red leather jumpsuit believing it to be what all badasses wear and he's going to go into a dive bar and cause all this bother hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Meanwhile, outside the dive bar, there's a couple of the uh, the paparazzi birds that we usually see. Um, and they're there to capture him as a badass. But when he says, take a picture of me, I'm the, I'm the new, I'm Hollywood's new bad boy, they laugh. Um, he goes over sort of as if to ignore it, but Todd tells him, no, you're the badass. You've got to confront this. So he growls at them. And what do birds do when dogs growl? They flutter off into a bush quick as a flash. He's then so worried that he's hurt them that he drops the bad boy facade again. But it's quite the opposite. Mr. Peanut Butter literally cannot do wrong for doing right. Um, it turns out that one of the birds has had his TMJ fixed, which, of course, you and I both know is his temporomandibular joint, um, removing the need for a mouth guard and, quote, making him feel like a strong, confident lover. He flies home to make love to his wife. Meanwhile, the other bird pops up to note that now with the cross-eye problem that he used to have has now been fixed and his depth perception has been addressed, which there's a banger of a gag coming that I'm going to say for you because I'm sure right. it resonated with you. Tremendous. Um so again, we're just in like this is not the first time Mr. Peanut Butter just finds good in his life, even when he's trying to do bad. And that's completed as he goes into the dive bar. Um, and he can't even get his words out. There's a, a kind of a nice link to the squawk scene with Bojack, as we always say, a high road, low road versions of each other, where Bojack was trying to speak on feminism, on the squawk. Um, but <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter was simply trying to announce himself as the new sheriff in town. But it just so happened that day, an actual new sheriff had been appointed, and every one of the so-called thugs in this bar was just glad for Mr. Peanut Butter providing them with a public service. It's just helpful to have someone giving them the news. He basically becomes the toast of the entire pub. They're all just suddenly very happy to have him in their life, and he has no choice but to sort of accept it. He just has to accept who he is. He's learned that lesson at very least. And in doing so, calls Princess Carolyn. It was him on the phone when she said for the second time in the episode, I've got the perfect person when they've needed somebody that isn't a badass, that is in fact the total opposite. Mr. Peanut Butter is their guy. That's it. That's Mr. Peanut Butter's plot. That's Mr. Peanut Butter's day. But not for the first time. He has literally left the house, being himself. Only good things have come his way. And he's ended up with a high profile television role. Of course he has. It's Mr. Peanut Butter. He's <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter. Who's their dog? It always happens. This this goes. This is another version of him walking down the street trying to get a job, and ended <laughs> up in foot and ended up in Footlocker, but then ended up on the <laughs> the Hollywood stars and celebrities. What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. As the host, 
just because he's a man and Hollywood, Michael, and everything's <laughs> going to work out just fine for Mr. Peanut Butter. I won't uh, give too much else on that. I think you pretty much covered it there because I know we are running slightly long on the side yeah. of narrative. But um, I guess now is probably a good time to go and do some horse around, isn't it? Mm, yes, um, please. The part of the show where we go all the way back to the beginning of the episode and filter through it and find all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, these small details you might have missed, or indeed the Easter eggs from each little scene or little little moment or little location in the show. So let's go back, shall we? Because uh, there's a few. There's a few. I'll say <laughs> that much. I'll say that much. But uh, we probably need a broken up a bit because you've just had a powerhouse of an episode in terms of narrative. So hopefully there'll be a powerhouse of narrative. Powerhouse of narrative. Powerhouse of an episode in terms of of fancy aesthetic things too. Anyway, <laughs> we go back to the beginning of the episode or the earliest part where something of note happens. And uh, I just thought it, was <laughs> it was funny that a Ryan Seacrest type, when he's first on the deep dive at the start of the episode, just kind of shows you exactly how, how low the bar is for men in Hollywood and their qualifications. When he opens up his podcast with, my guest today recently said some things or did some things. I only read the head. I only read the headline, <laughs> which shows how much he cares. And again, the sort of sheepish behaviours of the world of Hollywood. Uh, on the red carpet, though, I thought it was great. This whole thing where they break down the completely four like apologies and the just like when Vance Wagner and Mark Fowerstein obviously get together and he agrees to get the role in his next film. Well, the next film, Michael, is that they're both working together in the film Koufax where Vance is playing uh, Sandy Koufax, who is, of course, the famous baseball pitcher, who's also, Michael, just so happens to be a Jewish man, of course. Yeah. So that's the way to solve the problem. Vance goes in and plays a Jewish man in a film, and that means he's not an anti-Semite, which is, uh, <laughs> yep, that's Hollywood for you. Uh, we go to MSNBC, though, with Tom uh, Jumbo Grumbo. And honestly, I think I've been saying that wrong the whole time, you know. Or have I had this exact thought. I... Have they changed it, or was this? Am I just an idiot? Because I've been calling them Tom Gumbo Jumbo for Me the too. whole for the whole time we've done this podcast, and it turns out it's Tom Jumbo Grumbo, which I is was so same. shocked by this. I googled yeah. it, and like I feel like there's been a mass erasure of Tom Gumbo Jumbo. Me too. To change it to Jumbo Grumbo because it yeah. stuck out to me like a sore thumb in this one. Yeah. A sore th- a sore thumbo. Um, at podcast <laughs> horseman. If you can clear this one up for us, because I was, I had, I, like, I was hoping you would bring this up yeah. because it really, like, I had to scribble out his name in my notes and rewrite yeah. it. And I, yeah. what is going on there? I'm very confused, and I, there's a potential that for a show that is trying to claim itself as the Bojack Horseman podcast <laughs> has been getting Tom Jumbo Grumbo's name wrong for five seasons now, which is good. <laughs> I guess it's like Bojack always says, grass tastes bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, I'm glad you noticed it as well. That wasn't just me. Um, But but yeah, brilliant. Yeah, because Tom Jumbo Grumbo, Michael, I loved his his show, Gotcha, where he puts Vance Wagner on. (laughs) And the little headline at the bottom says, Gotcha, Vance Wagner did not see this coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> before Tom Jumbo Grumbo says, it just sounds weird now. I don't know how it's got to that. He says, as we say here on Gotcha, that's a gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. 
Uh, another recurring joke that's happened throughout this show is that uh, for this season in particular, we've seen the evolution of Flip McVickers. Can I call it evolution? Uh, whatever. The man's a hack, basically. We see his latest notes for all of the acts in uh, Philbat. They're on the noteboard in his room, and they read as follow. In Act 1, the, the notes that he has are explosion and Philbat's partner returns. And then in Act 2, Act 2, it just says, his name is Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another note that's been put there with an arrow pointing to that that says, cool outfit, not your typical ghost. <laughs> and then below that is a note that says, is Fritz a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> then we move into Act 3, which says, maybe some ghost tests. <laughs> Followed by a one that says, dream secrets. And then there's a one below that says, I'm pretty sure it says ghost sex with a question mark. But Princess <laughs> Carolyn's hair is covering it up on the screenshot I took, but I'm almost a thousand percent sure that that is what it says. Flip McVicker, guys, is not very good at his job. Anyway, the opening credits. Interesting couple of bits here. I believe this is the first time we see that Gina is now in Bojack's living room, his actual house. She's been in the living room for the set of Philbat part of the opening credits, but she's now in his actual living room watching him and her in an episode of Philbat on Bojack's TV. And she's also in his kitchen eating an apple as well. I'm sure she hasn't been in there prior to this. But one, again, Michael, just to tell you how great our podcast is. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I've got another thing to correct. And I'm sure there's one more later on as well. But Diane with short hair in the opening credits is something I should have spotted. Of course, yeah. As early as episode two. From that point onwards, uh, she's got short hair. And I believe I failed to mention it because I'm an idiot, of course. (laughs) Because of course I am. And I haven't been kicking myself on that ever since. But yes, Diane's hair is now short in the intro, like the second she gets a cut, and we notice that is when it changes. So that is good. You are enjoying this podcast. If it's your first time listening, what (laughs) are you doing here? Apologies Um, to all the aliens. (laughs) Yeah, apologies to the aliens who have been told about this podcast and have come with high hopes, finally (laughs) being the first encounter and are very disappointed. Anyway, we go to Elefante after the opening credits. Um, Some cute little gags here. There's a gag outside of Elefante where there's a gecko man. I believe he's a gecko who's got some flowers and he drops them in the hoof because his date hasn't turned up and he storms off from Elefante only for a few seconds later to reveal his date was there. His date just so happened to be a chameleon who maybe wasn't feeling it and was like hiding against the wall as the colour of the wall <laughs> before turning back to a green gecko, a green chameleon and wandering off down the street. Oh, nice. um, there's also another cute gag to do with lemmings in this one when Princess Carolyn and uh, Vance Wagner are talking inside Elefante and um, she mentions how Hollywood, uh, people in Hollywood are like lemmings, they'll kind of follow anything, at which point we get a zoom out and reveals there are a family of lemmings who are having a meal who are very upset about this, who do not agree with her take. And then basically after saying they resent that, say, off to the cliff. <laughs> and they all <laughs> get up from the table together and leave. And man, did this give me flashbacks to the game Lemmings that I used to play as a kid. Oh, yeah. I used to follow, but that's a story for another time. We go across <laughs> to Girl Crush. This is probably my favourite gag in this episode. Because if anybody was paying attention, Michael, you'll recall what was happening at Girl Crush the last time. Do you remember? The whole place was getting... 
That was some negotiations. Ah, yes, yes, no. <laughs> yeah. Negotiations with air quotes because it wasn't negotiations. They were exterminations. <laughs> Basically, a bunch of people in IT had decided to uh, unionize, and Stefani didn't like that, so she brought in an exterminator. Or does she mean a negotiator? And all we <laughs> the last time we heard was the squeals of the presumably dying IT department as she gassed them out of Girl Cruise. Well. Our worst fears were confirmed as we go. We see Stefani at the beginning of this uh, this segment walking past a mural that says "R.I.P. I.T." and there's a big like notice board wall type deal with a like a wreath of like lovely flowers. Six uh, Kodak pictures of like the six members of I.T. All cockroaches, Michael. I should point out because of course they are. <laughs> uh, and it. <laughs> The banner at the bottom reads, they checked in, but they didn't check out. And <laughs> on the two beanbags that's either side of this mural are just like smashed computer screens and keyboards that have been put down there in memoriam, along with a bunch of flowers and candles in the middle on a table. This is amazing. A great little gag. But on top of that, Stefani is also reading uh, an issue of the Hollywood Reporter, of course, instead of the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Vance Wagner is on the cover, just reads Vance, and it says, he's back and, in brackets, now he's close brackets, tolerant. (laughs) (laughs) You then eventually go across to Diane's workstation where, as you mentioned, there's the treadmills now, which is the latest in the gags where they've got new types of seating because this is a creative place, Michael, and they need Mm -hmm. the inspiration. Uh, Diane, of course, has her chair balanced across the the treadmill so as not to have to actually use it. Um, but if you see her screen, you will notice she's working on a piece called 13 Celebs Who Look Exactly Like Soup. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it says in at number one, Orlando Bloom looks just like this cheddar broccoli soup. <laughs> see two pictures. And then you get the headline for the second one, but no pictures. It says, which is which? French onion soup and Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent Two points, content. quick points on this. I really, really want that broccoli soup. Yes. Right, now we've discussed yeah. it. But I wouldn't make this content. I wouldn't make this content when you can just buy it in tins. You can literally just buy it in tins. I don't know why people would actually want to make it when it's already ready made for you. But speaking of things that make no sense, that's a bad segue, but it'll do. Um, <laughs> the woman who is working next to Diane on the workstation, her computer, as she runs on the treadmill, has a gigantic blue error message on it. And of course, Michael, why is that? Because there's no IT department to help her out anymore. Oh, of course, yes. They're all dead. They've all been exterminated. <laughs> oh, God, it's so grim. Um, but yes, this is all brilliant. And just a little shout out to Stefani again, who says the amazing line in this episode about that to Diane, when she's talking about you have to go off to these places, you have to go speak to people. She says, Diane, you have to hobnob. Have you not been hobnobbing? Hob that knob, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's so horrible. In the moment where Diane's having a pure crisis of confidence and moral code, but never mind. We go across, Michael, to the We Forgive You Awards. Of course, that (laughs) world-famous set of awards, which is just ridiculous. Uh, uh, Princess Peanut Butter, Mr. Peanut Butter, is hosting the red carpet pre-show fashion extravaganza, which you mentioned. What a ridiculous name that is. Uh, who says he's filling in for a Mario Lopez type. Tis I, Mr. Peanut Butter, which is absolutely hilarious to me because how many times have I seen these where Mario Lopez is the actual guy who's yeah. doing 
the uh, red carpet schmoozing. Um, he's talking to Princess Carolyn, though, brilliantly, and we see the lower thirds in the bottom, which describe Mr. Peanut Butter as pre-show fas- fashion fancier. And when Princess Carolyn comes on the screen, it says, manager, question mark, producer, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell she's doing in Hollywood. Not, not Like, she doesn't know. Never mind everybody else, bless her. He also asks her, who are you wearing? And why haven't you returned my calls about the Dog Day Afternoon reboot? <laughs> which I'm sure we've made the Dog Day Afternoon joke a million times on the bills for this. Nice to see it paid off because we're good writers too, Michael, honest. Um, <laughs> but she she does, of course, say she's wearing Louis Catton because she's a... She, I was going to say she's a mouse there, Michael. Because she's a cat, Louis Catton, Louis Vuitton, it's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. We go inside the awards and I've just got to have a little bit of commentary on the set design for these awards because brilliantly, as we walk into the We Forgive You Awards, you see what it looks like. It's the usual thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger has turned up at the podium. He is the guest host, who is a four-time forgivee. <laughs> oh, yes. um, brilliant stuff, this. And so the set itself, though, is basically like two gold banners either side of a, a main screen that says Lifetime Achievement Award in Forgiveness. It's like a smashed glass and all the water spilled out. But on the other side, there's like three lots of text on either side of the screen that are just varying different ways of saying sorry or I'm sorry in different languages. You get sorry at the top left corner. <laughs> you get je suis désolé, which is obviously means I am I'm sorry in French. There's also lo siento, which is I'm sorry in Spanish, I believe. Uh, whoopsie doodle on the, on the <laughs> right side, along with me dispiace, which is Italian. And the top one, I haven't figured it out yet. I've been trying to find out. It's hard to do because I can't just copy and paste it because it's just an image. It looks like Japanese or Chinese. It's a bunch of symbols that I don't know. Uh, so if anybody does know what uh, language that is in, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. That would be lovely because I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's lower third being a four-time forgive E. And the guests on the table there who are in the scene, are some notable faces you will see behind Bojack and Diane and Princess Carolyn. Courtney Portnoy can be seen sitting on a table with the man who orgasms every time there's a power shift, if you remember him. (laughs) Episode Underground, I think it was, or Deeper Underground, whatever it was, uh, where the the whole fracking incident causes Peanut Butter and Diane's house to drop in. The man who gets his orgasms while he's there. And of course, Bread Poot is sitting on a table <laughs> on the other table. And I believe you get a glimpse that basically suggests he's sitting on the table with the Capricorn and uh, George Clunas. That isn't confirmed, but it's it's pretty presumptuous at that point. Those three are always together in this uh, show. Also, a huge pop for me when Bojack says he's talking about Nickus. <laughs> he's talking about Nickus turning up, uh, the detective, basically. <laughs> And what he actually means is NCIS. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Diane calls about on it and he keeps talking about, you know, Nickus, the guy who's going around all those different cities trying to solve crimes. <laughs> it's such a cute gag, but it's absolutely hilarious because once again, a stupid man in Hollywood is has been going around saying this and Diane's like, you mean NCIS? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of abbreviations, we go across to MSNBC. Once again, more news headlines here. The first one, which reads... Bojack refuses to forgive at the forgivies straight after we see the picture of him having just sniffed the bad smelling cheese from the We Forgive You Awards. <laughs> uh, Tob, Tob, Christ, I've changed his name altogether now. Tom Jumbo Grumbo once again 
is at it. But this time, Michael, he's got a Princess Carolyn-esque tongue twister. Uh, he says, Horseman forcefully forgoes applause for Vance at Forgivies. Is a feud forming on the Filbert front? Uh, so his name might have changed. It definitely hasn't, but apparently to us it has. But now he's pretending to be Princess Carolyn as well, Michael. So I'm not sure what's going on here. <laughs> Um, I love this whole thing though because it's just an amazing commentary really isn't it on like the news cycle and how people will jump to their own conclusions about mm. what's been said and we all know the con- we know the context of the image but the world has taken it into their own stride uh, there's a whale person who's been interviewed with a t-shirt that now says hashtag make the face as if Bojack making the face at the awards was intentional and now it's a, it's a trend that's going around so much it's on a t-shirt uh, we see that there's BRB news Michael which is in the style of BBC News, all the branding, but also, of course, BRB being Be Right Back News because it just you pop in and you pop out so quickly, the news doesn't mean anything at all anymore. <laughs> um, but also, brilliantly, yeah, that was you mentioned a bunch of different box pops, but the one that really stood out to me was the last woman who came on screen to say, remember when Vance locked that shop girl in a hotel room and said, I've got pizzazz, while <laughs> masturbating into a champagne flute? Because Bojack remembers. <laughs> I love the way people just they just see what they want to see from these images and how true is that? We go across mm. to what time is it right now? And we go to Todd's office there. And where he used to have the organizer that said like um yes, no, never in this pile, it's now been replaced by a bit that just says very important contracts, but no elaboration <laughs> on that one. There's also on top of that, uh, in Todd's office, the man you will have seen, the portly looking fellow who's got the he's no hair down the middle and a mustache. He's always in there doing something. I don't know what the gag is here. I've tried, and maybe you can tell us at Podcast at Podcast Horseman. But he's just staring out of Todd's window, never turns, never pays attention to Todd or peanut butter, and he's just eating cashew nuts. There's a massive pile of cashew nuts <laughs> on the floor, and he just keeps eating them. And there's nothing said about it. Nobody bats an eyelid. I don't know what it is. If you're smarter than us, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. We go to the Squawk TV show and. Brilliantly, of course, a few little things that just made me laugh. Uh, the one bird host who just literally goes squawk the whole time that you're watching the show is hilarious. It's very similar to um, to Quackers or whatever he's called. Um, <laughs> Hollyhock's father, who's the duck, who just keeps going quack, 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 quack. Um, there's also the great gag where we do the call and response, as you mentioned. Uh, they get one good, very easy to say call and response going. But then another woman stands up from the from the um, presenters and makes this really long, elongated one. <laughs> the whole crowd tries to keep up with. I didn't write it down, unfortunately, but the whole crowd try to keep up with it. It's just so funny because it's it's the parrot, isn't it? The whole yeah. parrot of the thing. Now, ironically, I'm sure the one host who is a parrot is the one mm. who just keeps squawking, which is brilliant <laughs> stuff. Um, and there's an incredible segue because I almost deliberately did this on purpose, Michael. My really bad segue is never going to be as good as this segue. And speaking of battering women, right after the break, we'll show you how to make the perfect blueberry pancake. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right, man. Oh, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous, but it's also made me laugh out loud because this show will do that to you. Yeah. Uh, not as much as we get Bojack, who, in typical Bojack fashion, waiting to move into that next segment, is being given a apron, a cooking apron that says, hey, what's cooking? Hey, spelled H-A-Y, of course. <laughs> Because it's a horse, Michael. Oh. I don't know if you know about that. Anyway, we go to a bar I, now. I have a catch of my own from that scene, if I may. Do you? He's, on, it's when he's first positioned himself as a feminist hero. 
and of course it's a female putting the apron on just yes. groans and rolls her eyes the latest dickhead to walk in a studio that she's got to facilitate with whatever gimmick they need like and he's just putting himself over to the moon to princess carolyn and she's just there browbeaten by yet another one of these arseholes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going to be her life forever, isn't it? God bless her. We go to an undisclosed bar, though. We don't really get. I don't know if we've been here before. It looked familiar, but I don't. There was no name to describe where it is. But basically, when you go in there, though, you will notice a few things. The dog is a bar. The bartender, sorry, I should say, is a dog, a dog person, who is pouring alcohol from a little barrel around his neck to a random stranger, and then to Vance Wagner later in the in the scene. Um, doing a bit of digging though of course the dog is a St Bernard dog Michael and as will be told by definitely not Wikipedia St Bernards are often portrayed especially in old live action comedies such as Swiss Miss, the TV series Topper and classic cartoons wearing small barrels of brandy around their necks the drink that was being poured at these gentlemen and interestingly avalanche victims supposedly drank the brandy to stay warm while awaiting rescue although this is medically unsound, as we are. <laughs> so basically, if you do have a set of St. Bernard dog, do not try this at home. Do not just attach brandy to your dog's neck and assume that if you have a terrible accident that may or may not involve avalanches, that that will save you medically. <laughs> because it will not. Has not been proven. Dog day afternoon. I don't know. Just felt like saying it. Anyway, uh -huh. uh, what you will notice, though, in the same bar is on the TV in the background, uh, the blueberry pancakes that we hear are happening mm, in the show are now. Yes. There's like a... The being the 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 uh, syrup is being drizzled on the blueberry pancakes. You can see in the background. But following that, for anybody who's got a real good eye for detail, the screen gets cut in half. We can't really see that. We can only see the bottom half of this screen as Vance Wagner is talking on the phone to Princess Carolyn. But if you were paying attention, you will notice Michael. The advert for chicken for days can briefly be seen. Oh yes, where it's the little boy in his room and the dad bursts in. You will recognise the uh, the structure of it if you go back and watch it. It's there. You see the feet. It's a it's a tight spot, but you will see it for sure. Uh, we go to Princess Carolyn's office now, uh, and just I just thought this was a quote worth mentioning. Bojack saying that everyone loves a male feminist. It turns out the problem with feminism, Michael, is that all along it just wasn't men doing it. We're much oh. less shrill. God damn it! Oh, God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> Quick, thank God we stepped in to do the old yeah. podcast. Eh? <laughs> Two men who know what they're talking about have come to talk about <laughs> feminism on Podcast Horseman. God, not the same at all. <laughs> we go over to, though, Michael, the banana stand. Not the banana stand, the banana stand, Michael. To find one of the hottest new trends in Hollywood. Bananas and a hot dog bun. <laughs> um, not just any banana, Michael, though, because as the little uh, shack will tell you, it's uh, an artisanal banana and a bun. And mustard, <laughs> which is organic, it's non-GMO, and it's free range. But apparently, it's not very nice because anybody who watches the woman buy one of these and then go and have one bite in the background of the scene where between peanut butter and Todd as they're talking, she takes literally one bite and then throws it in the bin <laughs> because it's disgusting. <laughs> because of course it is. It's a goddamn banana. It's bananas and mustard in a bun. What the hell? Michael Hamlet's worst nightmare. Yeah. Um, anyway, we go across to Bojack's house and we go back to his office, which I feel like we haven't been in Bojack's office for quite some time. Mm. Um, you mentioned, of course, the media cycle animation that uh, we get from Diane's drawings, uh, which is really good. Definitely check that out if you missed it the first time around. 
Or certainly just give it more time, more of your time. You won't have missed it, but just enjoy it a bit more. But we do get a shot of the whiteboard that Diana's working on. She's busy writing out the Venn diagram for good and bad uh, normalisation that comes from things being on TV. In the good column, Michael, as you mentioned, is the Dancing Ellen effect, which obviously helped normalise the LGBTQ community to the wider appeal of mass America. Is that, I guess, yeah. is what it says. Yeah, I think so. Um, but then... On the bad side, that is literally the only thing I could find in the good <laughs> side. On the bad side, though, we have the following. We have the secret Murdoch agenda. Uh, by the way, I deserve an award myself, I should point out, for reading the scraggly handwriting that is presented as Diane. <laughs> and this is really difficult to read. But that is the secret Murdoch agenda, of course, uh, Rupert Murdoch, which we all know. Mm-hmm. Great guy, honestly. <laughs> um, there's also the Bauer and to- Bauer, as in Jack Bauer, which you mentioned in the episode, Jack Bauer plus torture equals cool. <laughs> there's another one that says past 9-11 fear-mongering. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that says patriarchal oppression. And there's another one that says lip-syncing? Really? <laughs> Obviously another dig <laughs> at Jimmy Fallon, who's, of course, mentioned in that animation we mentioned earlier. And there's also another one that says cultural dilution, all which are very bad, very bad examples of normalisation. We go over to Diane's car, and I've just written down, because it is notable, and it ends up paying off in big time, the return of Anna Sponacobana, Michael. Yeah. Uh, of course, a former lover of Bojack's, former agent of Bojack's. And we're talking another payoff there that comes from season three. So in itself, another payoff, Anna turning back up with a smoking gun. As we've mentioned, we've covered that already. We won't go into too much detail. But just mad to see her again and see her come yeah. back and be such a force of nature as she has been throughout all of season three, she was. Uh, MSNBC, though, we go back across there. And once again, Michael, we're at the news headline. We're at the core of it all. And the first one reads, step aside, ladies. He's putting the men in feminism, which is Bojack's headline. <laughs> and that is, of course, the payoff to my earlier mention. of it. I didn't mean that me and Michael Hamlet think we're those guys. I promise, honest, genuinely. <laughs> um, we also go back to Bojack, who's wearing the T-shirt, which, as you mentioned, says feminism is bay, but unfortunately is not spelled correctly. It's spelled B-A-Y instead of spelled, being spelled B-A-E. Which is just such a Bojack thing, this, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, very much so. Uh, we go to the news ticker, though, at the bottom of this uh, news broadcast. And there's a few. You know, we remember the news tickers. There's a whole bunch yeah. to go across. God bless whoever has to write these, uh, which read as follows. The first one. Buffalo sues Buffalo for buffaloing Buffalo Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> there's one that says, Jake Chicken wins humanitarian award. <laughs> there's one that says, Victims' families breathe sigh of relief as authorities declare mass shooting by a white man, not terrorism. There's another one that says, Department of Education mandates blackboards be replaced with woke whiteboards. <laughs> Which Diane was already using the whiteboard, so it's, she's, she's well yeah. ahead of the game. And it says, another one that says, Beloved comedian graciously dies before truth of his horrible past comes to light. God. Whew, that feels a bit too real, doesn't it? Um, also, of course, Vance Wagner's feminist as cap that he's got on is just a notable yeah. point. As well as when when Vance drops the bomb on Bojack and they completely subvert the narrative, the headline changes on the news to read, Step aside, Bojack, you just got gotcha'd. <laughs> <laughs> Which only heightens Bojack's fear that he was in the middle of a gotcha, as he says panically in the episode of the news. I want this show, I want the universe to exist where the show can exist, that people go on every single time not being aware they're going to be gotcha on yep. the show, gotcha. 
I really like that as a as an idea of a running gag that exists in the background of Hollywood. It just flips real quick. <laughs> they think they're going in with the moral high ground and end up leaving in the bad hundred, negative times. A hundred episodes later, and it's still like the arrogance of the male guests is still meaning they're going on. <laughs> Amazing. I'm not like the others. Not this. I'm time. not like the others. Honest. Yeah. <laughs> we go to the watering hole bar, Michael. Uh, we've seen this before. Uh, the biker bar where you seem to see a lot of a lot of buffalo bikers seem to hang out there. Uh, there is a limousine outside with a license plate that says R-I-C-H-B-C-H, which is, of course, an abbreviation for Rich Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and we do see that there's a... With the gag we assume this is, is that someone famous is coming out of the watering hole to get in the car, flanked by a bodyguard who is one of the um, buffalo-looking bikers from the bar. And this, it's a starfish, Michael. Yes. And the paparazzis are taking pictures, so we can only assume... A star, a Hollywood star. Don't get people reminded about the Hollywoods on the stars on the star of talk of fame <laughs> that we have. God damn it! I'm already chucking over my own words because I'm thinking about it and I've got them to do at some point in the future. You will get them, I promise. Lol. Anyway, um, there's also a few changes that have happened here. The shops that are next to the water, the watering hole outside. There's a bit of a change going on. And now one of the shops that used to read guns now reads weed, <laughs> which is improvement because right next door again is the child daycare centre, I believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In between all that, which is good stuff. Um, the bouncer on the door as well, you will, might remember him. He was a former inmate of Todd's from season one, episode six, when Todd is in prison. Um, and then on top of that, as we are about to go inside the uh, watering hole, Todd is listing off that it's where all the bad boys party. He says Charlie Sheen, Chris Brown, both of which we know from most people will know or be aware of. But then he also mentions Subway Jared, which Ooh. I wasn't necessarily familiar with, but I assume by your face you absolutely are, which is, of course, yeah. Jared Scott Fogel, former spokesman for Subway restaurants and an admitted sex offender. So I just slide him in there at the death as well, just to kind of show you the level of people we're dealing with in the watering hole. <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter is trying to become the company of these people, I should remind you. That's that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as you mentioned, when Mr. Peanut Butter scares those bird journalists into falling over the bins and then both of them getting better, one of them gets a fixed clicking jaw and the other one uh, gets his eyes fixed, to which point he says, I'm going to go watch a Wes Anderson movie and see if I can perceive any depth in it. <laughs> <laughs> love it when RBW just drops pipe bombs for the crack. He loves a good pipe bomb. I felt physically attacked by this because I do love a good Wes Anderson film, but also could not stop laughing at the fact that it's double. It's a double one, isn't it? Because, of course, the depth that he might think, oh, these are boring and just aesthetically pleasing, but also the fact that quite literally for the majority of, of, of Wes Anderson's films, they are so flat and so yeah. like, symmetrical and so... <laughs> lacking in any actual depth of field it's amazing very good well done rbw a hat off to you once again um we go across to diane's apartment uh and just i felt like this this line was worth noting um she says being a woman is not a hobby or pet interest of mine you get to drop in and play joss whedon and everybody cheers but when you move on to the next thing i am still here this was in 2018 i should point out this was before 2020 or 2021 and all of the allegations I think maybe there might have been a few service but about Josh Whedon's behaviour on set with a lot of female members of his cast or crew as well as some male ones actually I think um, just to show you Bojack Horseman ahead of the curve once again 
This is like what two or three years later and up earlier, and they were already putting people to task before it even happens. I love this show so very much. Also, the other thing I need to apologize for, Michael, something I should have clocked on to earlier, because the name of Diane's apartments uh, are called Latrist Apartments, which mm-hmm. is French for the sad apartments, Michael. Oh. <laughs> Which is both sad now during the episode where she's still living in a sad apartment, but was more sad in the previous episode, or the previous, like earlier episode, episode two, the Diane episode, where she was actually sad and still processing the divorce from Mr. Peanut Butter. I should have caught that. I didn't catch it, but I've caught it now, so it's better late than ever. Like a good SDI, I've caught it now, and that's the main (laughs) thing. (laughs) Anyway, we go to the Water and Hope Bar once again. And we see a few things when we get inside the actual watering hole. Um, there's a buffalo man with a biker jacket on that says bovine badass, of course, because <laughs> it's cattle, Michael, you see? See what it is? Ref- which is, of course, relating to or affecting cattle. There you are. That's bovine for you, just in case you wanted any more um, definitions for you this episode. There's also a bird in there, an actual bird, not me just re- becoming a piece of crap man from Hollywood referring to a woman. <laughs> Um, who has a biker jacket on that says Bad Birdie, which for anybody who's been watching any wrestling or listening to music recently, feels very <laughs> close to Bad Bunny, Michael. Yes, <laughs> does indeed. There's also a brilliant, a brilliant gag. There's a woman in here who is riding the back of a bull man in the pub because it's a dive yes. bar and feels very similar to the kind of mechanical bull that you would see where people get on it and ride it quite for a long time. That <laughs> same bull man as well, I should point out, has a tattoo on his arm that just says horny because he's a bull. <laughs> but a also, bull. probably like sex, Michael. It's funny. It's got two people. <laughs> They're so clever on this show. Um, also, the license plates, you know, when you go to places and you get those novelty license plates, uh, there's a mm. bunch of them, yeah, uh, for, the, for the bar. One of them says GMME space rd which is gimme road there's one that says f-l-o-r dash i-t which is floor it there's one that says 9c0115 and i couldn't come up with anything for that one let us know your thoughts at podcast horseman if you've got that one or oh, indeed you make a hamlet right now while your brain does the process there's also one that says rough life r-u-f dash l-y-f there's also totally which i thought sounded like totally man <laughs> yes is it could be a cute callback to the episode where Todd becomes Toad Chavi. Yeah. Because he steals a motorbike from outside of the watering hole and drives yes. off with it. So that might just I be like a little wind like nod on top of that. Yeah. There's also another one that says O T T R L V R, which is of course Otter Lover. <laughs> <laughs> a whole Otter Lover. Um and then there's also Fast Fair, which is I guess just Fast Fair. And then one that just says Bruising. But I guess that's with a Z and an N, bruising for a cruising, Michael, which yeah. is a flip up name, but who knows? Anyway, and on top of that, an amazing, stupid gag, this, which I don't even remember happening, but feels like we might never hear from it again. Todd is, is on the phone randomly, Michael. Incredible. Incredible. Called Estelle. And basically, <laughs> he's on the phone and starts just summarizing the episode, essentially, where he's like, so we found out that, and I can't remember what he says to that. <laughs> Um, it's something to do with it's dogs and bad boy puns or whatever it was yeah. um, and and Mr. Peterborough is like who are you on the phone to and he just says I'm on the phone with Estelle not everybody needs to know everybody <laughs> and I just thought how great of a thing was that to add I genuinely don't think we hear from Estelle ever again 
I think it's just something stupid they put in. But what a great little thing to add because you don't, Michael. It's true. You don't need to hear from everybody. In which case, we'll forget about hearing from Estelle and we'll move across to the Warbler Bros Studios car park uh, for the meeting between Diane and Anna Sponacobra once again in her car, this time with a broken window or no less. Um, and I just felt like this felt worth... Well, this does feel worth noting because of the... Uh, well, the details we'll get to in a second. Anna says that... Vance just got fired off his new movie after a drunken rant about the Chinese and then ploughed his Hummer into the side of Groman's Egyptian theatre. Now, there's a slight confusion from Diane because she's like, not the Chinese theatre? And she's like, eh, no. Because again, Michael, <laughs> not everything has to fit poetically with the narrative. Yeah. Sometimes stuff just happens. But for anybody who isn't from Hollywood, like you and me, or Hollywood in this situation, and doesn't know this, on Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard, it will be in real life. It's literally a two-minute drive from uh, the Groman's Egyptian Theatre. I literally measured it out on Google Maps, me personally, with a tape measure, uh, <laughs> from Groman's Egyptian Theatre to Groman's Chinese Theatre. It's literally a two-minute drive. So it's all but plausible that he could have crashed into one or the other, having left, driving off in a jumping stupor because he's an idiot. There you go. Yeah. And also, I've just written down the big reveal. Holy shit! Because obviously, <laughs> I'm not smart to but that turns up with the smoking gun that is the tape recorder that she stole or dismantled a few seasons earlier. Brilliant stuff, this. Absolutely brilliant stuff. I think that might be everything for me for in terms of horsing around, at least. Mm -hmm. But as we have been for the majority of the season, Michael, I have spoken to our new sponsors once again, uh, What Time Is It Right Now? And they have told me that there is still time for one last thing, and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever, which I realise has gone a little longer than usual, but when the episode's this good, who oh, really yeah. goddamn cares? Would you like to go first or second? Mine's just a little light, a light note. So if you've got something big and deep, maybe we should go, you should go second this week. Okay, yeah, I'll go second. It's not that big, it's not that deep, but I will go second. I'm, I'm still more for some light before we get back to my bloody shed. So let's have yeah. your I know that's just something you've just told me there, but what about your, what about your one last thing? <laughs> hey, because lads, 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 lads. Anyway, mine is a little lovely moment. Uh, you mentioned the Ryan's Orion Seacrest type having a moment where he did the deep dive, didn't he? It was mm. started deep dive. His <laughs> the first time his father showed him his scars, and each time each scar has a story, and each story leaves story a scar. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> those lights. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Mine wasn't actually technically about that, but it was the bit before that, of course. We actually find out, which I think might be for the first time in this episode, or maybe in this season, that Philbert's name is John Philbert. Bojack tells us yeah. Philbert's name is John Philbert. Now, I might be wrong. That may have been mentioned earlier. I have actually written down, is this the first, or have we heard this already? We might have heard it in screens, but it's the first... In um, scripts, rather, not screens. Mm. But uh, I, it's the first time I can remember hearing it. So, John Philbert, though, for anybody who hasn't paid attention or has missed it, there you go. That's his name. Yeah, he might have, I think you're right. Please, no, think no, please let us know at Podcast Horseman if it pops up any earlier. But that was my tiny little thing. Thought it was worth knowing. Absolutely. Um, mine is it's an overall narrative sort of choice, I think, in an episode that's full of really great choices. Um, I kept writing it in my notes, not meaning to repeat it, and yet I couldn't not. Cut to, cut to, cut to, cut to, cut to, move, 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 move. And I just thought how fast we were moving through Hollywood was designed to remind us of how quickly Hollywood 
moves, forgives, and forgets. Yeah. Which is this thing that a Vanswagen type can always get away with because of how fast it moves, because if we cut from there to there to there to there, nobody's got any time to breathe, nobody's got any time to think when a situation like this occurs. And it's how the machine like just crushes anything in its wake that it can't get it can't keep up with it. And that I just felt like that was a choice. Um, again, sometimes we maybe just read into things that we want to see than things that were actually by design, but there was a lot of it. We're back in Princess Carolyn's office. Now we're on a studio. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing that. It speaks to your point earlier on of Van Swagen and just in he comes and there he is and everything's him and then he's gone again. That's how this episode felt like it played out despite yeah. the fact that we were getting huge plot points, huge discussion points. It was still bang, on to the next thing, bang, on to the next thing. And it just, I felt like I was living it. I was living their story in the way that the episode was telling me to. And I just thought it was very impressive. Mm-hmm. The new segment in particular, I felt like it was mm, just like, yeah. it's spinning around and around and around, isn't it? And it happens multiple times in this episode, but we cover so much ground. Like I would, I would imagine the time we start this episode in, not necessarily the flashback of Vance when he does his first sort of bad stuff with the police officer, but like modern day Vance, Throughout this episode, there's a good chunk of time there that passes, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And it just feels like a whirlwind throughout. And yet still, Michael, so coherent and so impactful and so powerful. A powerhouse of an episode, as we usually Absolutely, say. Yeah. As we've already said in this episode. And one for the ages. I look forward to seeing the ratings for this one. But that is quite literally everything now. Uh, which leaves us as the good, well, well-intentioned men that we are. To just mercilessly plug our podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> it um, does. It does. It's always good. Time to put ourselves over. Now we've now we've completed feminism. Now we've completed ticked feminism off our list of things to do today. <laughs> um, Listen to fifty plus podcasts by two men, please. Go to our archives. Please do. Yes, if you enjoyed this episode of Podcast Horseman, or indeed have enjoyed any of the others, or just like Bojack Horseman, please do give this podcast a follow at Podcast Horseman on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, we love talking with you all about the show. It's our favourite thing. Uh, we loved, we love talking ourselves horse about a talking horse. But on top of that, we just want to grow a community of people who are spreading the word about Bojack Horseman because anybody who's watching this for the first time, and we've seen a couple of great people who've tweeted us recently. Thank you for your tweets and stuff. Who basically been telling us they're just starting the show. Some people have been listening to just our podcast and are going to now start the show as a result, which is a huge win. That's exactly what we want to hear from all this. Mm-hmm. I also find it fascinating that you would do that instead of just watching the show straight away. But hey, <laughs> I'm not going to complain. You can also follow me or Michael Hamlet on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas for me, or you can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Um, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we invite you to subscribe. On Spotify, where we'd love you to follow. On Amazon, where you know I'm just going to be nice to them tonight, where they do so much stuff. Well, that- let me just say. You need to be nice to them, right? Because your birthday presents are on the way and they're coming from Amazon. And if they get wind that you <laughs> are giving them all this stick, then I've got a horrible feeling you might not get what you want. Thank you, Amazon, for speaking out against the <laughs> European the European Super League like the anti-capitalists you guys are. And thank you genuinely for uploading Podcast Horseman to the, your service, your limitless tech giant service. Um, pretty much anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find Podcast Horseman. Um, please do all the good stuff. And indeed, you can get it on Acast if you want to subscribe on there. That'd be fantastic. But also, you can listen every Friday. The podcast will drop as a streaming link on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. And I mention that because it is season five. Normally, we would beg 
for five star reviews where you can say something nasty or say something nice as long as you say something with those five stars get us up the chart all that good stuff we're looking for community building word of mouth as nicholas says in season five very special stars only dished out for quote tweets that friday tweet that goes out stick a quote tweet on it put a few words out to your followers they trust you they'll give this a listen and everybody will be happy which is what at GP3EAR, I don't know if that's GPair, GP3EAR, I don't know, but their name is down as GP. Thank you very much for two quote tweets, both of the original podcast and the links below, each time quote tweeting as wicked. That's the sort of thing we're looking for, just something that gets the message out to your Twitter followers. A star will be winging its way at GP3EAR, will be winging its way to you very, very soon. Yes, it will, and that's right. It's probably reaching that time where I'm going to have to do the stars. I think we all know that. We don't need to go on about it, right? <laughs> I'm aware. Trust me. I'm aware. I am. This is this is essentially the payoff. The smoking gun that is Anna Sponico, but I'm walking into my house one day and just being like, look, we know you need to do these stars. Stop dicking around and let's do the stars. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll get them when you get them. But just uh, just know it's always on my mind. Very much so. Much like feminism. There you go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on before my tired brain shoots my tired foot in the foot. Yep, that'll do. Um, <laughs> we go across to Netflix for our synopsis for next week's episode, season five, episode five. It's called The Amelia Earhart Story, which already excites me because I know which episode it is. Painful memories come rushing back when Princess Carolyn visits her hometown and meets a pregnant teen. A stunt goes awry on the Filbert set. <sighs> oh, I do love mm. me some Princess Carolyn. And we're going to be getting, for those who don't know, I guess, a Princess Carolyn episode is coming on next week's episode of yeah. Podcast Horseman and indeed Bojack Horseman. But if you want to find out what happens on it, you'll have to come back next week, won't you? Because just when you thought you'd got it all from this one, there's going to be some more waiting for you in one week's time. Anyway, I think I think that's everything for me. Have you got anything you want to add there just while you're, while you're sitting around? Thank you, everybody that has listened up to this point. This has been a long one. Um, educate mine and Adam Nicholas's ignorant asses over Twitter this week. Pick up the things that we didn't in from this episode. Pick us up on the things that we didn't from this episode. I love reviewing the awesome ones, but rarely do I feel qualified to do it. So mm. we welcome feedback, particularly on episodes like this, on stuff we might have missed, on stuff not like um, just obviously all the hidden gags, which Nicholas puts incredible amounts of work to find, but the issues that the plot addresses. We like to review and we like to analyse, but we don't want to be the Bojacks. We don't want to wear the gimmick T-shirts mm-hmm. and the rest of it. So this of all weeks, hit us up with the good stuff on Twitter if you've got the good stuff to give. Yes, please. We would like to reiterate that we are just merely humble servants trying to watch bojack horseman and decode it as best we can we know there are people who are better equipped for this and just before we go i will also say a big thank you to um i won't i I don't want to i didn't want to um sort of break the trust of people who sent us some private messages to uh, Mm. the accounts both the instagram and twitter accounts uh, but to anybody from the asexual community who has been in touch with us yeah. and left us some lovely messages in the podcast Horseman DMs, thank you very much. It means the world to us. We would gen- genuinely wanted, we're excited to know more and learn more. And getting your messages was great. 
Uh, and I, I'm glad to hear that the show resonated as much with you as it did with us too. So if we have anybody again who's better equipped and has more of a story to tell and would like to tell us how they felt the episode of Podcast mm. Horseman, I, Bojack Horseman as well, um, reflected their views, particularly on feminism, I guess, this week. Uh, the DMs are open. You know where to find us. Yeah, Please do. Absolutely. Love reading them. We can't always reply to them, but we do love reading them and we want to acknowledge that we love them very much. So thank you for keeping in touch. Anyway, with that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.